the title of, I guess I can say Gordy and I's sermon this morning, because we're going to be sharing together, um, is the, Anthony, if you want to throw up the title, I'll just get, we'll get rolling. But it's uh, the three-day journey. So we're going to journey through the three days of the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection. And we're kind of following this theme of how it's reflected in the seasons and in our lives. So one thing that Easter totally reminds me of is spring. We used to have a farm and all these baby animals, the chicks would be hatching, we had goats, there was baby goats everywhere. So as a child, when I think of Easter, I think of spring. Um, So it just works really well. And there's something really beautiful about the way the seasons reflect the cross um, because it's this cycle of life, death, and rebirth. And we see this in our seasons. We see this in our day. We see this in our own lives. And we see this in how summer goes into winter and winter into spring. Um, So day one, Jesus on the cross, is about the completion of the way things were always done. If Easter is like spring, then day one is kind of like the end of summer going into winter. So, yeah, I called it an end of an era. Um, And to just, to start, I wanted to pose a question for you guys. Jackson mentioned that giving you guys the heart at Creekside is asking hard questions and giving you guys permission to ask questions that have always been there and just giving you guys permission to explore them. And the first one, and it's a big one, is why did Jesus have to die? Now, I'm sure a lot of you immediately came up with your answer, especially if you grew up in a religious, if you had a religious background or have been in some kind of religion, Christian religion for a while, the answer came right to you. But guess what? I'm pretty sure that answer was just given to you. I, I say this because I grew up and I could answer this question right off the bat. I always knew the answer. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died so I could go to heaven. Like we just have our roll off the tongue answer. And yet I lived my whole life never actually knowing why. And I knew in my heart I didn't actually know why. Why did Jesus have to die? And so I want to take this time in day one to explore a little historical background to enter into this question with you guys. So we are told Jesus came to fulfill the law, and somehow he did it on the cross. Well, what law is this? Some of us may know it as the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, um, the Ten Commandments. Others may define it as just the Jewish religion. Or we can just simply see it as a way of relating to God and how we assume he relates to us. And the system was basically this. Cherishing your most desired, your most loved, cherished animal and kill it. Not for food, not for pay. Essentially, you're wasting its life. And you're wasting it because you did something wrong. This animal 
is dying because of something you did. And this is so gnarly. Now, there were other type of sacrifices introduced later on, but this one was specifically for sin. So we have to ask ourselves, why would God, who is all-loving, who just this image of God that we get, why would he demand question feels so wrong and violent? Now, this is a huge question, and it brings us back to the question before. Why? Why sacrifice? Why was sacrifice something that we did in the Old Testament and kind of at the start of time? Um, and I, um, I don't have thoughts from kind of exploring some different areas of scripture. Um, I don't have the answer, but I'm hoping that as we explore these two things, we can kind of, I don't know, just come to a different way of seeing things. Um, but my two observations is, um, or I guess one of my questions was like, okay, when was sacrifice first introduced? Who introduced it, God or man? And I was reading Genesis 4, and there, there's a lot of rooms for speculation. Obviously, there's a lot of gaps and stuff. So, But this is what was written in Genesis 4. It claims Cain and Abel made an offering to God. Now, no request for this was made by God. None of this was recorded beforehand. Now, if he told them, maybe he did. It doesn't say. But it seems like it was just an expression of Cain and Abel and how they wanted to, sh to show God gratitude. And we also know that historically cultures, a lot of pagan cultures at that time too, um, their God, they would sacrifice to their pagan gods. Um, so it's kind of this cultural thing that's, um, I have to wonder if we started it, if it was for us. And kind of the second thing I was thinking about, like why a blood sacrifice, and why would God continue to use this method and require it and request it of us? is I was thinking about it, and again, you guys, like, I'm not giving you the answer. This is just another way to look at it. But when I think about having, I don't know if any of you have ever had to put down an animal, if you've had to take your dog to the vet because he's just not doing well, or like I've had to put down a horse, hardest thing I will ever do. Um, goats, chickens, like I grew up on a farm, like we had to put down a lot of animals and it never gets easier. I also hunt occasionally, and there's something so powerful, something so, like, that touches you deeply when you take an animal's life. Now, in the hunting experience, I'm taking this animal's life for food, and it really wakes me up to the weight of my actions, you know, and so I think God continues to use this method, like, to feel, to help us feel the weight and the like to feel the what we're actually doing when we harm others and hurt others, and it's also a reflection of how God feels when we do it to each other. So I'm almost wondering, what if a sacrifice was used just to give us a conscience? Humanity was so fresh; we were just fresh out of the garden. Like we did not know how to interact with other humans. We had fallen, you know, we've been cast out, and we're just raw. And so I wonder if God used this system to teach us, to help us grow, to help us mature, and to give us a sense of what is right and wrong. Because we really didn't have that.
because we were so new. So I guess the gist of day one is Jesus came in the same form that we had been repeating throughout history, the same form that we were familiar with. He came and spoke our language, put on our flesh, and came and spoke our language and said, this, this way of doing things is done. You guys don't have to trade perfection for salvation anymore. It's over. That way got you to a certain point, but now it's only hurting you. This religious system, when, by the time Jesus came, the temple was a money market. The people on the streets who couldn't afford to buy a pigeon and pay a priest were termed sinners. Whenever you see sinners mentioned in the gospel, those were just the people too poor to have a sacrifice done. And so God was not accessible to everyone. The system was breaking down and it was time for a change. Um, there was this beautiful quote I read about Easter week, and it just captured everything so well, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, um, if you can put it up on the screen. The surrender of God in the person of Jesus Christ is the great mystery of God. God does not hold back and wait until we get things right. Rather, God loves us where we are, found us we are. In the incarnation, divine love has found us and has surrendered to to us. It has handed itself over to us to do as we please. And that brings us to day two. Day two is about the choice, about our choice. How are we going to respond to what just happened? It's a day of death and disorder. It's also the season of winter. <laughs> um, and a lot of the time, we avoid day two at all costs. We hold on to the way, the old way of doing things, even though we truly want to believe we can let go. We just can't. So we continue to live in the old order. When you never knew if you were approved or loved by God. How many of us in our lives have been like, I don't, I, I don't know if, I, if I'm good enough. Or when you question, did I do enough? Did I do enough to escape his ju the judgment and the punishment? Was my prayer sincere enough? Or was I too young for it to count? Or maybe I was too late for it to count. And what do I have to do to make sure everyone, including myself, gets their perfect animal to the temple, or now it's kind of the perfect prayer to heaven, so that they too can be saved? Forgetting completely that what Jesus did on the cross was to eliminate transactional love. He came to eliminate that. This way is based on fear and motivated by fear, not by love. And that's not how God works. It's how we work, but it's not how God works. And this is how I believed it worked growing up. The way I heard the gospel was that there was an angry God who I'm supposed to love because he sacrificed his son to appease his own anger towards me. I lived with that as like a 10-year-old. But now he's cool with me. I love this guy. So he did all this stuff before I was even born, so that now he's cool with me. That's great. What does that mean for me? I was just, I was full of shame, full of burden for my unsaved friends. I was always torn like, okay, it's my duty to make sure I give him the truth. 
It might ruin our friendship because I'm going to come in and be a little know-it-all. And I, could, I actually could never really do it. Um, I actually chose to just, I'm like, I just want to be their friends. Because <laughs> um, it was heavy. It was heavy to, like, say, hey, guys, I got the answer. Um, you seem really happy, and I'm, I know I'm not. But, like, I have the answer, and I'm supposed to give it to you. So here we go. <laughs> like, it just didn't fly with me. And I have to ask myself why. I think it's because I was operating in this old way of seeing things. I was still living before day one. And even though, because I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home. I had the New Testament. I had the new story, the new language, the descriptions. I had all the new stuff. But I was stuck in the old mindset. I had all the right things on paper. The form was probably pretty good. But the mindset towards it was keeping me stuck. And it was like this for a really long time until I started to doubt everything I was told. Until I started to ask questions. Real questions. Questions that I realized I had been asking my entire life. I was just now finally brave enough or desperate enough to start asking them and to open myself up to the answer. I think that's a big thing. It's not that I was needing or looking for an answer. I wanted an answer. I was just, I was just open to maybe a different answer. And um, slowly, day one started making more and more sense. Now, the cross, as Jackson said, and all that it symbolizes, I think, is one of the greatest mysteries. And as Jackson said, it's not that we don't know, it's just we'll endlessly know. So don't stop endlessly knowing what this holds for you. And that can happen every, every change of the cycle, every change of the season. Um, so as I started to ask questions and to wonder if this old way in this old God that I had been given, maybe had something more, I started stepping into day two. Day two is really dark. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of dying to your old self, your old identity. There's a lot of letting go. Day two is not pretty. And I think most of us actually live there if we're being honest. I think we get glimpses of day three. I think we go back and look at day one all the time. But for me, at least, I live a lot of my life in day two wondering, where is God? Where is the silence? Like, all this chaos in humanity and the silence of God. Like, what am I going to do with this? And um, I just kind of wrote this, this line that we can just all sit with um, and feel free to write it down if you want, but just something for us to sit with in, the, in holding day two. For in the silence of darkness, we are left to the mystery of what lies beyond the tomb. In the silence of darkness, we are left to the mystery of what lies beyond the tomb. So as Gordy comes up to share about day three, just take a little assessment. Are you still living before day one? Are you taking all of this stuff from now and then and um, carrying it with you? Or are you letting it 
shed? Are you asking the questions? And that's not the matter. It doesn't matter where you guys are at. You're still loved. You're still forgiven. That's not the story anymore. God, Jesus came to show us that's no longer what we have to worry about. But living in that way is heavy and it's burdensome. So as Gordy comes, and he's going to just give us a little insight into day three. Okay, thank you very much. Give her a hand. What a great... <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I gave her a tough job. Because I'm lazy, and I wanted the easy job. So thank you, Abby. Wonderful. And, and she talked about Friday, the cross, then Saturday. Saturday's a very lonely time sometimes. You're confused. You're trying to figure out the death. Is it real? What happened? And um, I'm on day three. Third day, Resurrection Sunday. Some of us call this the rest Restoration Sunday, because that's one of the meanings of that word, Restoration, but actually, another meaning of that word resurrection is change. Everything is changing, and uh, you guys are changing, you guys are changing, I'm changing. Changing from the old to the new. That's the message of the cross and of the resurrection, changing from the old to the new. This past week, and weeks ahead, I am going to be throwing a lot of books away. Tons of books, maybe hundreds of books, okay? From, it goes all the way back from years and years of just research books and papers and everything else that I accumulated. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But it's time to break down. It's time to find something new and get rid of them. And that's new to me, to get rid of books. But in my, in my discovery, I, I was going back to years and years ago, some of my college systematic theology books and all of that, and of course they're all highlighted. So if you want to give me a habit of just highlighting stuff when I read a book, so if you want to give me a book, it's going to be all marked up. Okay, so I have these little notes. <clears throat> And as I was going back to all those years, years ago, and began to read some of those, those notes, I came to uh, Barb and I said, wow, <laughs> I have really changed some of my thinking. I have changed how I see things. I've changed some of my viewpoints of how I see God, what I believe. It's not a bad thing. you got to start somewhere. But I began to see that this is an ev evolutionary process of growth that I began to see over all those years of study. And ever since I was young, I've always been interested in, in stuff like this. It's not better or worse. It's kind of like a science who's into science. They want to expand. They want to grow. They don't want to get stuck. They want to, they want to research. They want to find out things because they're wired that way. That's how God designed them to be. Or it may be a musician. They want to expand. They want to grow. Well, mine was in theology. Mine was in doctrine. Mine in, in the study of God and whatnot. And so there's been this, uh, this desire of me inside to keep learning and to keep seeing how expansive this, this topic can really be. 
One of the things that we can see is that there's nothing that is same forever except God's love. Now, now Abby went through um, the Old Testament. His love is the same, but his methods change. But not his love. And his love was demonstrated on the cross and in the, and in the resurrection. Science tells us that is that this is a new knowledge for me. All of you know that probably. But science tells us that 98% of our body's atoms are replaced every year. We're changing. Geologists prove that no landscape is permanent. We are changing. Things are changing. Uh, seasons are changing. That is the resurrection. The resurrection brought about a change and that we continue being raised up. We're continuing being resurrected. We are continuing to be changed or life just becomes boring. Now, Amanda and Nandy Thielander, they just had a baby boy a couple of days ago. Yeah, Finn Peter Thielander. And you know what? Finn is getting older. Finn is changing. He's just an old baby now, two days old. See, nothing stays the same. Winter, now is spring. Things change. The snow begins to melt. Streams come alive with the rushing water down the mountains. Trees begin to bud that will soon evolve into leaves. The wildflowers that lie dormant in the winter now are beginning to break through that soil and sprinkle the mountainsides with color. Things are changing. The birds come back to my house and they feel on my bird feeder, which I love, and they sing their songs to wake me up in the morning and sing their lullabies at night. I love it. I love the birds. But from the animal life to the human life to nature to seasons, they're changing. This is resurrection. This is the meaning of resurrection. Something has changed. The cross and the resurrection, they brought about a new day, a change, a new. And we call this the new covenant. And the death and the resurrection was not to change God's mind about you, but to change our minds about God. Big difference, isn't it? <laughs> we have just all these crazy ideas about God, you know. It's no longer about performance. That's the old way. To earn acceptance. It's not about performing rules and regulations and laws. That's the old. We've come into the new through the cross and the resurrection. Things are changing. This is what Jesus brought to us. And we want to go back. And we want to mix grace and law together. That's going to be my topic next week. There's a new way of living. And that new way of living Sometimes it's a mystery, but it's living in the spirit. It's living from the heart. It's not law, because we could never attain that. It's about you being forgiven once and for all. 
It's about you being reconciled to God. Isn't that what Paul said? He said, and God reconciled you all. He reconciled the world to himself, through Jesus Christ. Huge things that we need to look at in time. There's a new way. And that new way is Christ living in me. Christ living in you. And that you are united with him. And etc. That's called the new covenant. It's a new way that Jesus has done it. You didn't do it. We just completed, what, three messages in Ephesians. And there's nothing in the first three chapters that say anything what you have done. It's everything. That's Easter done for you. This is just downright weird. That's Easter. He's not only forgiven us, but he identified with us. We belong to him. He's embraced us. Not on the basis of how good you are, but on the basis of how good God is. And he's mighty good. Easter is a story. It's a story of love. It's a story that everyone wins. When Christ took on our sin and we were raised with him, that's what the scripture says. We died with him, we raised with him. What he has done in that resurrection, he snatched us out of the old story and put us into the new story of the new covenant. It is about you, but it's not about you. He's done it all. And what we do is respond and we receive that love that's already inside of us. The light's already in you. It's a matter of having that revelation to see how much you are loved. It's a new way. It's a new, it's a new way of seeing. It's a new way of the spirit of Christ. It's a way of love. It's a way of forgiveness. It's a way of serving. Not out of, earn, not out of to earn something but out of love. It's the third day we've been raised with him. It's the third day he has infused his divine life and his divine love with him. That's hard, isn't it? To begin to see and to accept because we've got so much of religious stuff I'm not saying it's wrong. We just got so many things coming our way. So many different thoughts. So many ideas. But to think that he infused through that resurrection, that's what he said. You've been raised with me. I am going to infuse through that resurrection my divine life and my divine love into you. Can you just imagine You and I have a perfect love infused within you at this moment, at this very, very moment. Christ died because of love, and he rose because of love. What if I was, I was thinking about this, what if I was to live from that love? What if we took the blinders, and you can't do that. Only the Spirit 
can take those blinders to see love in its fullness, in its perfection. What if the blinders were off? I don't know if we can handle it. Probably I would just explode because his love is immeasurable. But what if we were to take the, the blinders off and see this immeasurable love, this divine love infused into your soul? And that's Easter. What if my life was just a bundle of joy? What if that was possible? And it is. See, the potential that, that when we see a little bit of his love, the potential we cannot imagine. But what hinders me is my belief system. It, it, I, I wonder even where I'm at, does he really love me this much? And almost every day I just have to remind myself, no, I am, because I have all valuable. I am loved. Because I have all this conditioning in my mind to lead me to think differently. What if, see, I just, I just like to think that way. What if I was just one big bundle of love? You've got it then. You've got it. There's nothing more. Just love. Just love. What if the Easter story is not just about the resurrection? Whoa. What if it's just not about Jesus rising? Oh, yeah, it is. And he did rise. But what if the Easter story is just not about the resurrection, but love that brought him out of the grave? What if there's something a little bit deeper than what we usually celebrate on a Sunday morning on Easter. And, and perhaps, perhaps, and I could riddle, riddle off the, the scriptures, but perhaps it is about when, when he said, you have been raised with me, maybe there is that hint that when he said, you've been raised with me, in order that I would pour my divine love into you. In fact, Romans says, I lavishly, in other words, abundantly. Remember that illustration if you were here last week? I pour some water into a glass and it just kept overflowing and overflowing and overflowing and overflowing. And what happens when it overflows? It splashes onto other people. What if the message is deeper than the risen Christ. And I, that sounds bad, but I don't mean to it, to deport his divine love. What if the whole message of God is, through the resurrection, he's poured his divine love inside of your heart? Huh. You see, once you get that revelation of him pouring lavishly his divine love into your heart, begins to overflow and there's something begins to happen to you and that's called the resurrection life. You begin to change 
And automatically and naturally you begin to splash love on other people. What if that could be Easter? See, the Easter story is about the death and the resurrection. It's, it's, it's about you belong to Christ. It's about you that you will never be separated from his love. And I think I will spend the rest of my life trying to learn what it is to be loved and to love others as Christ loved me. There's one thing I really enjoy watching at, on Easter Raising the kids and whatnot, we would hide the Easter eggs and the bunnies and the bunny baskets and always try to steal the candy, of course. Got to do that as a parent for a reward. But isn't it fun? I just love to go out and see the, the kids hunt for Easter eggs. It's fun. Families and friends getting together, celebrating the togetherness. The togetherness. Did you realize there's people all over the United States because this is Easter Sunday morning? The people who even deny God, the people who don't believe in the resurrection, the people who are whatever, and you are going to go out, and if you have family, you might have a togetherness this afternoon. We are. Did you know, regardless if you believe in God or not, that you are expressing, but I'm saying part of God. Now, people who don't believe in God are not going to like that, but I'm saying you are in the image of God, and you have that image built inside of you, and the reason you want to get together is not because you took a pill of togetherness. It's because you are created in the image of God and you are an expression of it. That's why we like to serve. That's why we want to help a person that's hurting because that's God-like. That is God. And so when you get together with uh, family and you see the children and you're happy because the children are happy, where did that come from? It did not come from you. It came from you being created in the very image of God. So see, you can't get away from God. You just can't get away from him. That love is built inside of you. And the reason it can't be expressed is because we have a lot of hindrance, hindrances in our belief system. I do too. I do too, okay? But this is what God is all about. God is a relational God. He's relational. And that's why it says before the world was even created, he chose, he chose this to place himself into all humanity because he's relational. He's relational. And because he's relational, we are relational. That's why we love. Why we, we hurt because God hurts. But it goes deeper than that. Whatever deeper is, it's going to be God's work working in you. So, whatever the deeper is, don't let that dictate that. I can't tell you. Oh, people try to, 
Don't let that happen. This is your journey. This is your struggle. This is your deal. This is your Easter. Do whatever you want. Just realize there's a divineness living inside you. And it's love. But there's something deeper. And this one verse, as the band comes up, there's one verse that keeps ringing in my head. And I wanted to elaborate on this, but I can't because we're just going to close it. But whatever is, is deeper, let me say this. That's going to be in your soul. That's for you. This is why I love Creekside. Wherever you're at, truly, like Jackson said, you are just downright welcome. I mean, we even fed you this morning, some of you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bessie, for arranging that. I had a great Easter breakfast this morning. And you know, th- th- that, and, and it just makes us, you probably saw some of us laughing up here, Mark. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we're having a lot of fun. But we're all on our journey, see? I don't have any control over anybody. I don't dictate anybody. I teach, and that's where I'm coming from, and that's right, and, and that's good. But, but see, that's the freedom. I think that's the freedom where a person, if they choose to grow, it's because they're going to grow on their own. And they're going to struggle on their own, and we're going to walk alongside of them. But, but let me just read this. And, and this verse just bam, bam, bam for the last two or three days. And just keep this up here, Anthony. The dead man came out, his hands. This is Lazarus, uh, which is the brother of Martha. And he had just died. And Jesus raises them from the dead. And it says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strange and a cloth around his face. And I had this, this image, and, and, and this, this image which symbolized a person, probably because I grew up that way, nobody's to blame, nobody's fault, it's just my own conceived ideas of who God is. And so I was wrapped, bound with spiritual grave clothes. I was tied down by rules and laws that result in in guilt and shame and fear. I began to see God, as Abby was talking about, in that same perspective, and I couldn't draw myself out of it. And if a person wants to live there, let them live there. But I began to question as well, who is this God? And see, that is my heart. I preach this a lot because this is my heart. This is my background. And there's nobody to blame. There's no denomination. There's no church. There's, there's, there's no teacher. None of that. It's, it came from my own perception of who God is. And I want to break that. I want to just question some of those things and use the scripture to show maybe we're seeing God in, in, in a way that for 1,500 years that has been tradition but maybe there's another way to look at it to set you free. And then this next part here in verse 44 is a picture of the resurrection. Look at this picture of the resurrection. And then whatever deeper work God wants to do in you, uh, it's all going to be love. Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Let go. Break that. And let me close with this. 
Jesus' resurrection is our story. Jesus' resurrection is our victory of love over hate. It's a victory of grace over law. A victory of Jesus over religion. The old is has done it all. Has come in that new way. Jesus has done it all. And he cried out on the cross. It is finished. And it's a life of living, loving one another. That's Easter. See, that goes deeper, doesn't it? It goes deeper. It gets applicable. We're into steps. I want to give you three steps. I'm not into steps. Creekside's not into steps. We don't have formulas. I wish I did, and maybe we will if I get mature enough. But there's a three-step program. Here it is. Learn who you are in Christ. Wake up and be yourself. Repeat. How's that? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for the music. And, Lord, I just want to pause and say that as Seth and Joe and River are in Fiji right now, uh, Lord, you would give them that extra grace and that strength to continue on. With some of the things that they're facing right now, Lord, just give them the, the joy. Give them that resurrected spirit. Lord, as Abby and Jackson and Kaya begin to move out to, to Fiji to help with this ministry of Fiji Coffee, that, um, Lord, you give them strength, give them a safe trip this next week. And Lord, just as we at Creekside, as we're going to miss so much of the staff, that, Lord, you give us the strength, you keep the message strong, you keep our hearts joyful. Father, for those that are here this morning, that, Lord, it doesn't come from me, it doesn't come from anything, uh, from worship or from Abby, just, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just love them? Would, would, would you be so gentle, Lord, to just squeeze their hand? to let them know that you're there. Father, I pray in this moment that we become transparent. It's just that transparency before you, that transparency before others. We don't want to get caught, Lord, in just playing the game because there's just no joy in that. Let us be released. Give us freedom. Give us questions. Give us a searching heart. And more than anything, Lord, as we process things, that we just be who we are and rejoice that you designed us just the way that we are. And it's only by your grace that we will mature. And we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy, happy Easter to all of you. I love you.